InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. It's a disturbing statistic. The suicide rate among middle-aged Americans has increased significantly during the past decade. What's behind the rise? For some answers, we welcome Dr. Eric Kane, Chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Rochester Medical Center and Director of the Injury Control Research Center for Suicide Prevention. First of all, what type of an increase are we looking at among middle-aged Americans? How big an increase was that over the past decade? Well, it's certainly approaching 30%, and it's very, very important to understand how this affects the overall picture in the United States. The suicide rate among youth has remained basically flat, youth being 24 and under. The suicide rate among people over 65 actually has been declining since the early 1990s. But overall, in the United States, the suicide rate has gone up for the whole population together between 15 and 20% over the past 10 or 11 years. And all of that has been a result of what's been going on in the middle years. It's kind of as if this middle layer is pushing up and pulling all the rest of the folks along with them. And are these primarily people in one racial group or different groups? It's predominantly whites. And it's important to remember that in the United States, the bulk of suicide is among whites. There are really some very, very substantial ethnic and racial differences in suicide in the same way that you know we see that with homicide and we see that with motor vehicle accidents and other things and it's very clear that the real driver of this at a numerical level has been among white americans american indians and alaskan natives also have seen a sharp increase in the middle years the difference though those are relatively small populations as I talk about the national rate, they haven't contributed very much to the national rate. But in fact, in that group, it's even been more a powerful finding. It's just that it's a much smaller group. Why has this increased? What is causing this increase in suicides among middle-aged Americans? Well, you know, you're asking me things that I really wish I knew the answers to and obviously commands us to do more research and more understanding because we really don't understand. And I have to say that what I will describe are theories, are hunches, in some ways well-informed by past research, but not always in the United States. And so we want to be very, very careful. Certainly it looks like one important element has been the economy. It isn't, though, that it's solely among the unemployed folks that the suicide rate goes up, but the economy provides this sort of fundamental background. Now, I mentioned a second issue. The baby boomer group for reasons that we don't entirely understand, has seemed to have a higher level of depression. It seemed to carry overall a higher level of suicide. And as it chugs up the age ladder, it seems like an increased suicide rate kind of goes along with them. So this data that's coming out of CDC is not simply telling us about a very big problem right now. It is. But it's also warning us about a problem that we may have just around the corner. We're talking on InfoTrack with Dr. Eric Kane, who is a chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Rochester Medical Center and director of the Injury Control Research Center for Suicide Prevention. Dr. Kane, is there anything that might be done to prevent this, to perhaps educate people or inform them that they may be at risk for suicide? Let's think about this at several levels. One level relates to the methods that people use. Most suicide in the United States is from firearms. There was some increase in recent years in firearm suicide. There was a bigger increase in hanging and overdoses. So they all are very important. A second issue that we have to look at, and this may sound kind of 
getting away from the suicide moment is we know that a lot of people in the middle years have drinking and drug problems. So many of the women in the middle years who die by suicide have smoldering, long-lasting substance use problems, a lot of times with prescribed opiates. Where do they get those prescriptions? They get them from their docs. They get them from their families. And so we have to think about how do we have a better sense of helping people who have drug habits. And of course, the most problematic substance in some ways is alcohol, because alcohol is a real inflamer of family relationship problems. It's an inflamer of social difficulties and a big number of people who die by suicide. Whatever else they're using, they're often full of alcohol. And part of our approach to prevention is to understand that we've got to address those common foundational elements. And let me tell you why. It's very hard to get someone at the edge of the cliff. If someone's really decided, I'm dying, they don't give out a lot of signals often. Sometimes they do. People always talk about warning signs and that sort of thing. But what we know is that there are a tremendous number of people who, for very, very specific reasons, they're tight-lipped. Or they've been in a lot of trouble for a long time, and you can't tell the difference between, hey, is this a bad day or is this a day to die? Mm-hmm. And so we really push the idea that, you know, when you see a couple, for instance, and the wife's getting an order of protection, and the husband, you know, the judge is saying, what am I going to do with you? Well, that's a foundation where often, you know, the wife might be suicidal, but the guy actually goes on and kills himself more often than the wife. Well, when people are cut off or they're by themselves, it seems that they would be more at risk. And one of the theories says that, Whites tend to not have the same church support and extended families that other ethnic groups might have. It's certainly true that having connections, asking for help, being able to accept help when someone else offers it, all of those things are really powerful. And how people put themselves in social groups is a really important thing. There certainly are a lot of white folks who go to church, but even so... You come across situations where all the folks in church didn't know, gee, I thought he was doing fine. Sure. And this gets to the idea that unless someone is willing to be open about these things, it's really hard for people to know when to help. That notion of connectedness and feeling like you belong, feeling like people care about you, and so how to help people be connected, it's a major challenge. You know, and you take something like the Army. Now, the Army's been working really, really hard, and they've still seen their suicide rate go up. And one of the complex things is you say to someone, you know, you need to be Army strong, and you need to help your buddies. But when your buddy comes along and says, I want to help you, does that mean you'll actually accept their help? Complicated. You touched on this a moment ago, but are there some potential red flags to watch for if a friend or acquaintance might be at risk of suicide? The challenge for warning signs is that most people have them don't go on to kill themselves. So it's really hard to pick out that person who will versus that person who won't. I don't try to separate the two. If I see somebody going downhill, if I see them drinking more, if I see them becoming more argumentative, if I see them withdrawing or, you know, fighting with the family, getting in trouble at work, I want an employer to say, hey, man, you got to go to our employee assistance program or how can we help you? How can we reach out to you? The family member doesn't have to say, hey, this guy's suicidal, my husband or brother or parent. What they need to say is, he really isn't doing well. You know, it's kind of going downhill. He's coming apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. Those are technical medical terms. He's coming apart at the seams. What are we going to do to help him? 
the challenge is that there are a lot of people who've had these problems for a long time. It's kind of, as I say, chronic and smoldering. It eventually gets really hard for families to reach out. You know, there's a part of them that just wants to say, I want you out of my life. And so there's a struggle between being a supportive, caring family member and a person who just says, hey, I don't need him in my world anymore. So there are obviously times where, you know, we see our loved ones and we say, look, I can help you. I want to help you. Please let me help you. I'm going to help you. And there are other times where, you know, we have to be more disciplined and say something to the effect of, I know it's really hard right now for us to be with you or for you to be with us, but, you know, we feel responsible. And, you know, there's no one size fits all, but the idea is that a lot of times people are distressed and we have to find ways, even when they get us distressed, of finding a way to help them. Dr. Eric Kane, Chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Rochester Medical Center and Director of the Injury Control Research Center for Suicide Prevention. Dr. Kane, thank you so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.